Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Michael Petro, your host. We are supported by our friends at Proper Design Works for all your custom clothing and embroidery needs. Head to Proper Design Works today. Why should you go there? Well, uh, there's two reasons why. I personally like getting uh, big batches of clothing all at once. I don't have to do like big shopping trips. I've learned in life that I kind of more or less have a life uniform. So it's great to order 12 of the same t-shirts, have them come up in fun, different colors and ideas. And then I'm done, right? That's the year. That's one t-shirt a month, right? I'm not going to go through 12 t-shirts in a week. You guys don't need to know my laundry schedule. The point is they do bulk orders. Okay. That's what I'm getting at here. So patches, hats, t-shirts, hoodies, sweaters, toques, anything you need for branded clothing, you can go check them out on their Instagram page at Proper Design Works. The second aspect that I love, this is the need a few things category. Uh, custom clothing. They do it oh so fucking well, all right? Uh, they're wizards with sewing machines and needles and thread. And uh, if you've ever wanted a custom pair of jeans made for your body, made for your fit, um, this is the place to go do that, okay? Um, they take a lot of pride in what they do. Um, I've never... I've known him for a very long time pre-podcast um, and some of the things that come out of that shop. I tell you, you got to have a creative mind to look at clothing in, in the manner that they do. So uh, whether you want something, you know, logo branded uh, specifically for like sports teams, charities, stag, stagettes, uh, high school bands, uh, cooler bands in high school, whatever you can think of that you need branded clothing for, head to Proper Design Works today at Proper Design Works on Instagram. And then, when you're ready to place your first order, info at properdesignworks.com. Secondo, we are supported by Bodegos. Bodegos is one of my favorite restaurants in Winnipeg um, for a lot of reasons. I like open kitchen. I like fun global food items, and that's what they do. Okay, let's cut right to the chase here. Uh, Bodegos offers flatbread pizzas, pitas, Soups and salads, stir fries, um, fish and chips, but they're from different parts of the world. So you get to taste how things are done or their, their, their food culture, which is really fun, right? You want to go to a place and try a bunch of new shit. This is how you do it. Um, so next time you're going downtown and you want to check out a new spot to get some grub, head to Bodegos on 211 Bannatine. Uh, you can check out their menu online, bodegos.com, www.bodegos.com. And uh, yeah, they're they're locally owned and operated. They really good fresh ingredients. That's the awesome thing about them too is that these meals aren't bad for you. They're full of good healthy things, and uh, locally sourced as well. They they shop in Manitoba, so thank you guys. We appreciate it. No, we we seriously do. Uh, a couple things, a couple housekeeping items. Uh, we're getting new gear, so you might notice the sound change a little bit. We'll try to keep that to a minimum. Because I bought, we bought a new Rob Strachan got us a new board. Shout out to Rob Strachan just showed up one day and I was like, okay, let's play. So uh, super solid of him for doing that, and uh, we're glad he's now in the fold inside the community. Uh, we did an episode of Sean Geek podcast recently. Please go check it out. Uh, they're one of uh, they're good friends of ours. We like them. We have a lot of fun when we talk with them. They've been on our show. We've done their show. Um, also we're on the Manitoba podcast festival, September 26th, September 27th. That's going to be virtual online. So follow them on Instagram and Twitter, uh, MB podcast fest. I believe you can, you'll see it on our feed too. Uh, so you can sign up for workshops. We're going to be in podcasting one one Uh, we still don't know why we were picked, uh, but we were, and we're very gracious. We're very thankful for it. It's an awesome place to be with a lot of great people, uh, on our website, 
realdebaters.podbean.com, there is uh, we have Podchaser where you can vote for us and, and review us. But there's also on the Real Debaters Podchaser account is a playlist of all the Manitoba podcasts that we like to listen to and like to support and talk to and stuff. So uh, please go check out that portion. Like I said, it's at realdebaters.podbean.com. Uh, just find the, the review page and click on the Podchaser link, and it'll take you to our page, and then you can see the playlist, and I'll stop repeating myself. This week on the show, we are doing round two with Manitoba makeup professional, Manitoba makeup wizard, really just a Manitoba makeup artist, Doug Morrow. We went out to his farm, and at his farm he has his workshop, and he led us into his lair of of makeup and all the cool things that he's done man this place was so fucking cool uh we did it when it was super thundery and noisy out thundery a word uh it was raining out that day and there was a lot of thunder so if that that's what you hear in the background but uh instead of we 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 learned who he was the first time now we want his take we called this the cover-up pun intended and uh, it's all about his view on what he loves about makeup in Hollywood. And then we asked him questions about stuff. Well, I'll just let you listen to it. So this is another real talk with another Manitoban who makes movies, part of our series. If this is your first time, we've done a couple other ones like this. Go check them out. Uh, so yeah, we got the Manitoba podcast fest, new gear, check, check, check. I got nothing else. So I'll cue the real and you enjoy the show. Hello, Doug Morrow. Hello. Hello, Jimmy Skinner. Hello. Where are we, Jimmy Skinner? Uh, we're out in the sticks, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, are we in Enola or are we in Springfield, Doug? You're in Springfield, but I believe you're still in the township of Enola. Okay. For all of our rural listeners, this is the first time we've stepped outside the perimeter, which was really cool. They're cheering right now. Uh, they are. They're like, <laughs> way to go. They're in the country. Uh, specifically, though, we are in Doug Morrow's workshop, and it is a sight to behold this is like a ode <laughs> to all things makeup if i may say so myself um how long have you had this studio here uh almost two years now really yeah and has it it's probably definitely made it easier on you instead of not having one i would guess <laughs> instead of doing it out of my basement yeah uh, yes uh it's yeah purpose-built studio for what i do so it's yeah it's pretty fun awesome uh, I've, I, I would love to have something like this for podcasting. This would, this, would, <laughs> this would make it a lot more fun instead of using our living room. But one day, one day when the housing markets start to get a little easier to deal with. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our makeup friend from Winnipeg, Doug Morrow, who has graciously invited us out to his studio to talk more about the art of movie makeup and magic. And the last time we talked to Doug, we wanted to know who Doug was. But this time we want to know what Doug knows. I, I, I affectionately titled the podcast the, is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I called. I, I affectionately called this episode the cover up, <laughs> just to just to kind of play on everything. So, what I wanted to start with you today, Doug, was um, when would you say that makeup really started to be prevalent in the industry and and create the things that we see today? Like, where 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 would that have originally taken place? Oh, I mean, uh, you can go back to Lon Chaney doing the 
Phantom of the Opera and The Hunchback of Notre Dame back in the 1920s, you know, nobody had seen stuff like that before. It was it was pretty amazing. But um, to me, I think uh, makeup really started to emerge um, in terms of more special stuff. It was about 1939. Okay. If you look at the 1939 roster of films, to me that's the year, and a lot of film historians will agree that that's the year that movies changed. Movies shifted from um well shifted from a lot of things uh stories but also in how they were produced and shot um and they kind of made a leap in that year to me but there were also incredible makeup achievements in that year the wizard of oz uh uh um son of frankenstein like there was a there was quite a few and not just you know, like really special makeups, but um, but to me, that's kind of when it started to to okay. happen. Yeah. And like, what were some of because we we talked about this before with with the the evolution of what you had learned and the and the things that you were playing with. Um, what were some of the basic things in a kit back then? Like, what what were they? What, I guess the evolution of it, right? Like, what did they start with that was incredibly like archaic or weird or like, how dare you put that on somebody's face? Like, what, what were some of the tools of the trade before? Your lead paints and have you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You can yeah. eat that. I, I think that was fine for the Egyptians, Jimmy. But <laughs> no, by then they had, you know, they had they had developed what makeup is and still pretty much the same. Uh, you know, the same ingredients, pretty much. I mean, now you know we can make. Uh, foundations out of silicone and um, things like that. Pancake makeup became popular. What's that? Pancake makeup is... Um, is that made out of, like, pancakes? Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah, yeah no. Oh. <laughs> no. But, but it's <laughs> amazing that you found your way out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's on yeah, the nose with it, me, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, pancake makeup... Um, I don't know why, actually, they call it pancake makeup, but it's basically a water-based makeup. So it was a... Um, it's a dry substance that you'd use a wet sponge in and you'd sponge it onto the face wet and then it dries. And the reason why they invented it was because as um, uh, as uh, as films were, you know, because all the old films, a lot of them were shot outdoors. They would build a set that looked like it was inside, but it was outside because of the light. Once they could shoot inside and they develop, you know, all the great lighting, it got really hot and actors would sweat off the grease paint. <laughs> so they invented pancake makeup, which went on as wet but dried and didn't require as much powder and had different ingredients. So it kept you drier. Sweat proof. In a way, except that if you sweat too much, then it could run through it. Okay. Um, but, you know, most makeup kits were very simple. They had foundations and... And again, there wasn't like a huge variety like there is today, but foundations, little eyeshadow and blush and lipstick. And uh, and then to do more theatrical things, they had nose putty. Huh. And that was pretty much it. And they had liquid plastic called collodion. You paint that on your skin and it shrinks and and looks like rea- very realistic scars. If you saw Platoon, yes, uh, that's what Tom Berenger had on his face for his character. Ah. Um. And then they would use cotton and latex and things, but so things know. are like it's a very traditional kind of sense where everything's still kind of the same, but you just made 
like you found better ways to do it kind of uh just slight advances and then so the other thing that happened in the 30s and was really taken advantage of in 1939 um was foam latex okay so uh i think it was purse westmore who noticed that uh, they were making um props and things out of this new material foam rubber which is a special liquid latex with things added to it and you put it in a mixer and you beat air into it and they were putting it into molds to make uh uh you know staircase railings and all kinds of stuff uh and i know in the war um when they wanted to um use something more advanced than maps to uh, send to the people fighting overseas about exactly where they needed to bomb things. They would create miniature cities, mold them. <laughs> I've seen that in some older movies. Mold yeah. them in, in plaster and make them out of foam latex, roll them up and um, fly that map to wherever they were in Europe. And then they wow. can unfold it and say, right. when you're flying over and you're going to see these things, you need to hit this and this. It is an accurate map as they come. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. So they were using it for all kinds of stuff. And I can't remember. I think it was Purse Westmore um, of the Westmore family. Um, uh, there was a, a very famous makeup man named uh, George Bow. George Bow. George Bow. And um, he came up in my research. Okay. Yeah. yeah a lot of these names so are sounding familiar. He was the first one. George Bow was the first one to actually use foam latex as a makeup thing and he developed a formula which was used well into the early 1980s with little tinkering here and there um so 1939 they really started to i think the hunchback notre dame with uh charles lawton was another one um where they used foam latex and that was a big game changer do you think because Lon Chaney is 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 the man of a thousand faces. That's his that's his nickname. And but he actually wasn't the one who had that moniker. There was another Ooh. very famous actor named Cecil, heard here first. Yeah, <laughs> Cecil Holland okay. was a, a really well known actor in the silent movies, uh, who was really adept at doing makeup. He was really good, and he had that coined on him the okay. man of a thousand faces. But he left acting to become a makeup artist and gave the moniker to oh. Lon Chaney. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah, because every everything that I looked up to talk about today, Lon Chaney is right at Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr., right? Like well, those if, are, you, those are, if it, you look at that poster up there, from that's the Phantom of the Opera from oh 19... Oh, my God. This one right here, right? Yeah, 1925. I don't think they've ever done the Phantom of the Opera better. I don't think so because you know what? the new the, I've seen the theater play right and the the movie and stuff like that and it the remake that looks like a phantom everybody <laughs> else just looks like it's now is i'm I, the old stuff i'm not too familiar with maybe Jim, jimmy you know this but is it always been acid that was thrown on his face okay so no, so i i read the book in elementary school okay and he was uh deformed okay so like the elephant man kind of yeah where it's not a freak accident it's no. just a birth defect okay yeah. Yeah, that looks like the sunken eyes. Oh, he so he he based it kind of on a skull. Was oh. how he so that's why his Ooh, nose. You can is feel that with the cheekbones too. Yeah, his totally nose is can. pushed up the cheekbones, and then he put um, wire uh, rings in in 
uh, around his eyes to make them look more open and skull-like. Oh, okay. And like, then he used... Am I wrong here? But you can kind of like see the bottom eyelid. As yeah, he's, so uh, then he, paint, he painted that white and then painted dark underneath it to make his eyes look even more open and skull-like. Oh, I love that. Uh, and then, yeah, and then he would have used, um, I think, probably um, nose putty on his cheekbones. And then he had a rubber wig with, uh, you know, higher hairline with, yeah. with the, uh, the hair there, a wig. And then the teeth. Those, and those, that is a mousetrap if I've ever seen one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one, that one jewel sticking out the side there. I tell you, yeah. that's, that's old smart. chomper. Yeah. yeah. Dentist would look at that and old chomper. Yeah. <laughs> dentist would look at that and be like, cha-ching. <laughs> uh, how long would that take to put on? You think? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of stories going around about how he did his makeups. And I do know that he had. I don't know if it was a life cast taken of him because I don't know if they had that technology then. He definitely had um, a fake head of himself. So I don't know if it was a life cast or someone sculpted it. or I have a fake head of myself too, don't you, Jimmy? (laughs) (laughs) And he would would use that to not only design and practice the makeups, but there's some people that say that he would build up the stuff onto the face prior with nose putty and stuff and then put it onto himself. Now, I don't know if that's true huh. or not, but he certainly used that head to practice how to how he was going to create his makeups. Well, I know, and I uh, this is nowhere near what you do, but I know when I go get my beard trimmed. <laughs> it's easy. Now, hang on, hang on. I'm going to pull this in here for a second. When I get my beard trimmed, I can't do it myself because I don't know what I'm looking Like, I'm looking in the mirror, but I'm looking at a reflection. But when mm-hmm. someone's looking at me, they know how to make it fit with my face. So yeah. it would make sense that he would make a fake head of himself because putting it on yourself versus watching how you'd put it on gives you a different perception. You just need some kind of bearded geopath. Yes, exactly. I need something to... Pre- <laughs> some, can we do that, Doug? <laughs> sure. You, I'll pay you. Whatever. <laughs> the the $5,000 head to make okay, my beard there, look better? There, yeah. I'll do it for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually a forerunner of somebody doing, um, you know, either design drawings or digital designs now. You know, he was doing three-dimensional, like a maquette of what his makeups would look like. Interesting. Which nobody did, I'm sure. When, just back to Cheney for a second here. Um, had he not made such headway with Phantom of the Opera and uh, Hunchback, Notre Hunchback Notre Dame. Dame, do you think someone else would have come along and figured it out? Or is that like a big, is that a precipice for the makeup industry? And uh, Yeah, I mean, other people were using all these techniques for makeups, but they were for, you know, an aging makeup or things like that. He was taking them and using them for more horrific faces and, and actual, uh, character, uh, racial changes too. You know, he okay. was, he was turning himself into Asians for movies and doing all kinds of stuff. He was that, the original Tropic Thunder with Robert Downey he, Jr. He was, <laughs> he was doing stuff that, that a lot of them weren't doing. Well, if don't yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, I think Rick Baker did, did he Robert did. Downey Jr.'s he did, yeah. color change in that? Which, yeah. I mean, that for makeup alone is pretty... But it wasn't just color. It was also he had a, a prosthetic nose and a lower lip and chin. And then the hair... No, he piece. didn't. He had surgery done. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. What was his... What was his... Laz- Lazarus, uh, something Lazarus? Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Lazarus. Kirk, Kirk Lazarus. Kirk Lazarus. Yeah. The most, pro- like, pro- just dickhead actor in yeah. of all of fake movie cinema. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite makeup to do out of everything that you've done what do you like actually let's do this in two parts what are you really good at 
and what do you really love to do? And are they the same thing? Um, that's hard to say because I want to be really good at it, or I think maybe I'm really good at it. But <laughs> I'm, Dude, I know you're really good at I'm it. I'm one Walk of those through. people that, you know, I'll do something and I go, ah, I, sh- I suck. I should just be a garbage man. Um, <laughs> it comes with art. It yeah. Com- yeah. If you're a creative type, I yeah. Th- I think I'm pretty good at doing, uh, aging makeups character work like that like i've i think i've i've developed uh, you know a good eye for that um but another thing i think i'm really good at is doing um especially on women um a makeup that doesn't look like they have makeup on oh okay which like is, a god out of which bed is look? a skill no like i did i think we talked about this last time i did a, a tv series called the pinkertons yes so uh, the lead you know was supposed to look like, you know, a nice looking person, but not wearing makeup. So, you know, that's a... Uh, you can't should even... fathom. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, there's a lot of women out there, I'm sure, who would love to look like they don't do makeup. Like, you yeah. could create a whole side business on, this is how makeup looks without makeup being on your face, my dear. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So she, you know, she had full foundation on everything and go to set and nobody would know. And I've had another experience, and I won't say who the actress was, but usually what happens is the actor's come in early we do their makeup then they'll go for what's called a blocking of the first scene so everybody they, stands in their place and yeah it's not a, it's not really a rehearsal it's just yeah where's everyone going to be in the shot where should we put the cameras and then so uh most of the times the actors will come and get made up first and then go to blocking but sometimes depending on their schedules and whatnot they might go to blocking first so one time in this one show uh, actress who i was working on she went to blocking first and later on the dop the director of photography came up to me and he said i didn't realize how much stuff you were doing to her until she came (laughs) (laughs) now i know why they're nameless okay and it's not it's no no no, and it's not that she was like super unattractive without makeup it's just that he he, didn't see what you do he didn't he and none of them do right they show up and i think that a lot of them think oh they're just you know why does this you know why does this process take an hour and a half? Not on one person, but Until you know, to get to, everybody ready because right. they all show up and they just they just look normal. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's that's the skill. You think they're normal. That's yeah. Yeah, and to I guess if it doesn't look like you did anything, you did your job. That is exactly. Art. And, yeah, and that's the biggest compliment. So I've had that happen uh, a couple of times, and uh, yeah. that's that's your biggest compliment right there. Yeah. Cool. What are you? What's the one thing you're working on right now that you're learning? The, like I, I, with this industry, I would imagine you're always trying to stay ahead of the curve. There's a new thing out there. Like with, with Shauna, like she's there's there's always something new with hair. There's always something new with comedy. I'm sure with Jimmy, there's always something new in podcasting. So is there a thing right now that's kind of you're like, oh, that's new. Maybe I should get my hands on that or try to dabble in that. Yeah, like we have. Um, I think maybe we discussed this last time, but you know, there's new technology to create prosthetics and. Um, so there was a technique uh, developed a few years back for Passion of the Christ, uh, called prosthetic transfers. Um, so I've been using them more for doing character makeup. A lot of people just use them for cuts and wounds and stuff like that. So I've been using them more for aging makeups and, um, you know, so that's kind of learning how to use the material, but you know, the for me what i keep trying to learn and master is especially when it comes to doing character makeups like that is to try and make it not look like makeup like what how can you what how can you look at a makeup and then a real person and 
and try and achieve that. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. So that's why I'm I'm really enthused about using these transfers because I've been using them on a few shows for aging and stuff and and uh, either people don't know it's there or they're not sure how much you've done um, and you can't see the edges and so uh, so that's that's what I'm trying to okay learn cool right what's a I, I I put it in the list here for us to talk about, and I'm, I'm interested. What's the meta? meta. <laughs> uh, I try, Jimmy. What was, and I equate this to a movie. So Tom Hanks in Castaway, looking down, going, "I have made fire! I have made fire!" What's a fire moment? A big moment in the makeup industry that was a fucking just a game changer. And I mean, this could be 30s, 40s, 50s, because I know we, we. I really wanted to talk to you about the evolution of makeup today. So, like, are there are there certain things over the years that have just like, like when man learned how to cook meat or made the wheel, right? What are those moments in makeup? Um, definitely foam latex. Yeah, uh, because that totally changed it. Because up till then, you were starting every day with a material building stuff onto the face and now you had pre-made pieces that looked the same every day that you were gluing on and it cut the time down immeasurably you weren't oh, yeah. still trying to figure out stuff you was like taking that nose and putting it on and yeah you know you knew every day it was going to look the same um so there's that and then um i guess you know using silicone now instead of foam rubber it looks more like flesh like right out of the mold so when someone shows up on set it looks more realistic um so that's a game changer and then we have um we have these alcohol activated paints it's kind of like a watercolor palette box but it's makeup and you activate it with uh, 99 percent alcohol cool. and those are a game changer because um they just they stay they don't rub off like makeup okay and uh, you can put them on in washes and build up color, and it just looks more realistic than using, like, a cream, yeah. you know, makeup or whatever. Um, it's, yeah, just things like that. These transfers that I was talking about, those are a huge game changer because now you have a prosthetic in your hand that you just you can slap on the person yeah, yeah. give me your face because it's the transfers are made out of a thickened glue that we use for gluing prosthetics on so the prosthetic is already sticky so it's just placing it in the right spot and just putting it on the actor as opposed to using glue and a brush and putting glue on and pushing the appliance down and making sure it's in the right spot this is like bam and it's on so i did a a TV series last year, Tales from the Loop, and I had to do these aging makeups for the last episode. Which you got nominated for. No, no, I no? didn't. I, we, were tr- we were trying to get nominated. Oh, okay. Yeah. I misread that post. I was super yeah. stoked for you when I saw that. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it would have been cool. Fucking if assholes. Said. If you're listening, <laughs> this man needs to be nominated. There you it's go. Got the funnest Thanks. house in Manitoba. <laughs> Thanks. Hard um, in the paint, Doug Morrow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I could do, I did an, you know, an aging makeup with, um, six prosthetics and old age stipple and paint in an hour, which if I had used other technologies would have taken at least two hours. So it's all about cutting so, time. Yeah, I mean, especially for TV because TV moves so fast. Yeah. So the faster you can do it, you're more of a hero. You know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. 
Doug's got him out of makeup in under an hour. We got some time. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Let's screw around with that lighting a bit more. Um, <laughs> so yeah, those are those are kind of like the big game changers for us. Okay. Yeah. And then and then the other thing too is uh, uh, like digitally scanning stuff. You know, so instead now you don't need to actually do a full body cast of an actor. You can scan them and have it milled out. Really? Uh, and now people are actually like a like a like a ENC machine or whatever. Where like yeah, a, okay, yeah. Or um, people are designing prosthetics and molds in their computer and using that AutoCAD machine and that, stuff. Yeah, and then using that machine that you kind of like grow it with uh, resin and making molds and stuff that way, which. Chris Evans has been a 3D print of a person all this time, and we had no idea. Yeah, seriously. You're, uh, <laughs> fuck the final. That kind of brings up something. 3D printing. Is 3D printing making a play into makeup, or is it still something that is maybe well, argued because you can do more with the hand than you can do with the machine? Well, people are using it, like I said, for you know sculpting in the computer and making molds in the computer and printing them and stuff. And I've never seen pieces made this way. Um I know, for instance, that uh, in The Dark Knight with the Joker, with Heath Ledger, those clown masks were all created in a, in a computer. Okay. Ah. And I believe they were 3D printed, and then I think they molded them and then made them out of rubber or plastic or something. Oh. Um, Make it look more mask-like. And probably fo- fit better to the face. Probably fit <laughs> yeah. better to the face. Yeah, like <laughs> with your facial. Yeah. Instead of like micro-movements, it's... Yeah. On right. draw, it's but on these are just the clown masks they used at the okay. beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. not like the, the actual bank robbery. The bank yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. It seems to me like that would be an expensive thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, you're you, whenever you build stuff like this, you want to show the director what you're doing. And I don't know if looking at a computer screen is enough for them to see what it could look like. Whereas if you show them like a three an actual three dimensional thing, they might be more right. apt to go, Oh, I like that. Or can you just make this a little more, you know, bigger or something? And I like being yeah. able to try my glasses on when I buy them online on yeah. the, on the face. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Doug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, are some of these techniques like, Look at, uh, compare it to like, say, the automobile industry or any industry for that matter. Are some of these older techniques that are so archaic still being used? Like, are you still using them today, even though they might be out of date or someone's kind of giving you guff about why you'd know? No, I mean, you still still have to know how to create stuff out of nose putty because on on, on a lot of movies and TV shows that you do, all of a sudden... Ooh, this is spooky ominous. day for this. Every, yeah. Everyone really listen to this. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're doing when they come like to you on the set and say. <laughs> when the uh, ASMR here today. It is a perfect day for this, I think. <laughs> totally. Uh, until the power goes out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You still need to know how to do all that stuff. You still need to know because they'll come to you, and it's happened to me, I don't know how many times, they'll come to you and say, hey, we want to put, we decided for this fight, I know we said we didn't want a cut in this guy we want to cut or we decided we want the bad guy to have a beard or we decided da, 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 da. and you've got to now pull it out of your ass right to make this work pull that beard and out sometimes of your <laughs> sometimes it's the next day or two days or sometimes it's 10 minutes from now 
Right. So you ha- you have to have all these skills that Lon Chaney had back in 1925. That's incredible. Up to today, because you will use them at some point. So and and the other thing too is when you're a kid starting out, everyone starts out with latex, nose putty, dermawax, cotton, and yeah. grease paint. That's how all of us start. That's your, it, I was going to ask you, is that your kit? Is that, that would that be. Those things are in my kit. I could go over there and pull out <laughs> uh, mortician's wax and a spatula and build a nose on you <laughs> and put a cut on Jimmy. Can you give me a better jawline? Yeah. yeah. I need one. <laughs> I always wanted a more square first. face. <laughs> yeah. Us facial hair people. Yeah. It's, it's only there to make the Ukrainian less obvious. I always wanted a jaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you need to have all those skills. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because like. There are some industries where people like I guess the music industry would be a great comparison where you can buy all these programs and you can buy all these instruments and you can really get away with like if you have no tune, if you have no pitch, you can (laughs) fix that. And I've learned that with this. Like I've played around with my voice enough times to be like, wow, I can actually sing (laughs) coming out of audacity, but going in, I can't. But, you know, you can fix it. And that so you would it's a safe assumption to say that you can't skip past 60 years and jump into this industry without following the greats. Okay, interesting. Um, who did you... I you know, need to know the basics. Right. Yeah. Before you can jump into... That's why, you know, I'll meet young people and they want to make a, a mechanical mask or something. And I'll say, you know what? Make a prosthetic nose. If you can make a prosthetic nose and put it on somebody and it looks real, you can do anything. Really? Right yeah. on. But making that prosthetic nose me. the first time is going to... Yeah, because yeah. you can make an alien and people go, oh, that's really cool, but... No one's seen an alien. No one's seen before. an alien, but <laughs> if you can, if you can put a nose on somebody's face and and, and fool nobody them, knows. yeah, that nobody you knows. Can do, knows. You can do anything if you can do that. Oh, right on. That's fuck. And I know it sounds simple. It's not. Simple. No, I I would never think any of this stuff looks simple. Like I, I'm looking just around and the teeth that Jimmy was looking at beforehand. Like I don't even. I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at my amount of patience, and I'm I'm knowing I'm not getting to those. Like those gums look so well, and, and those are uh... those are the third set. So I made uh, those are the first set. So I made okay. three sets for this test of what we we can't talk about, but yeah. um, and <laughs> it'll be good though. Those man. were the first ones. So I made two more before I was happy with what like it, I got. It, I swear the gums look it. It looks like something you would see at a dentist's office. Oh, thanks. Yeah. What. Yeah. Uh, I know you and Smith, you wrote back and forth, right? Um, who else inspired you and reasons to why? Like, I mean, Long Chaney, obviously, but is there anybody else that, because uh, we, we talked about the correspondence you guys had and how that kind of got into yeah. the industry, but have you, sh- are you, are you more interested in, like, who, who are you following right now that's in the game that you're like, oh, they're doing some really cool shit? Um, the, uh, I guess the uh, we talked about a bit before Japanese makeup artist uh, Kazu Hiro Suji. Yes, we did. Um, so he's you know he just won an Oscar for Bombshell, which I yeah. watched. Yeah, it's it's annoying. So they're a little all... bit like <laughs> like Charlie's Theron is annoying in it, but my God, is that Megan Kelly? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It's genius. And same with Nicole Kidman. She has prosthetics on. John Lithgow. Well, Lithgow, look, I want to beat Lithgow up. He looks so much like Roger Ailes. <laughs> yeah. like, and, and just the comments that are flowing. Like, yeah. that, that guy is definitely doing something that 
the, you can't even tell it's a prosthetic. In fact, you know what? Let's jump to something else here. What do you think of the prosthetic on Colin Farrell in the new Batman trailer? I've seen only it? seen that. I've only that seen little the, clip, the trailer right? yeah. and that, and then they froze in that picture. So yeah. uh, to me, it's cool. It's a cool take on the penguin. And um, those guys that did it, uh, Prosthetic Renaissance in New York, I've worked with them and uh, super nice guys, super talented. I think they, they, they just finished doing uh, the sequel to Coming to America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so they're really great character makeup artists. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a cool, different take on them, and it's n- not just a nose, right? It's <laughs> but then, but the other thing too, you got to remember, a lot of times that this prosthetic stuff is sometimes it's built like as a character thing. So. Um, probably what they did for Colin Farrell is that they really wanted to change him and give him a really specific look. <clears throat> I don't think that look would have worked on Burgess Meredith. Or Danny DeVito. <laughs> or or Danny DeVito. But like Burgess Meredith, yeah. he, with his acting and that nose in the costume, perfect. that was perfect. Yes. And that was the Penguin, and that worked, right? It was enough. It was, it was enough and totally sold the character. And... Um, <laughs> and, uh, so I I like the fact that they are, and I just like, uh, um, is it Christopher Nolan? Yes. Yeah. 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 So I just like how he's making this. Um, oh no, Matt no. Reeves. Matt Reeves. So is Matt Reeves. Reeves yeah. Right. Matt Reeves. It's, yeah. It is fair to get confused on who has done Batman at what point yeah. in time. Everybody's Nolan, done Batman. This now. Christopher Nolan did Batman, Batman with uh, Christian Bale. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just like Matt Reeves take on it because he's making this gritty french connection taxi driver batman movie oh my yeah, right yeah, there's the <laughs> and, eye yeah, right there, there jimmy <laughs> right and so that's where this colin farrell version of the penguin is totally going to work in that because he, those characters in that movie to me and i i've just seen the trailer they shouldn't be nice and smooth they should all be rough real looking people Imperfection and, is perfection in this yeah. sense. Yeah, and that's that's why I think his makeup will work. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, when that trailer dropped, I mean, all of us were like kids in a candy store. I felt oh, yeah. like Charlie and Willy Wonka, right? Like, we're, this is the golden ticket of Batman. And oh, we yeah. were all very <laughs> skeptical about it when we first started talking about it. Because of Robert Pattinson. Well, because well, it just well, sounded, it sounds like it sounded weird. Like, yeah. we weren't sure where it was going to go, but now it just, like, Paul Dano's casting, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 I can't see this. I'm going to enjoy it. I don't know. I'm it, so excited. Totally. Same here. And, and I think that that little cl- and like everybody is everybody. I, I, I can tell it's Zoe Kravitz's eyes. I can yeah. tell it's Robert Pattinson's frame. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can even tell you it's Paul Dano in those weird goggles in the beginning when he's duct taping <laughs> somebody down. Right. Yeah. But you were like, who is this guy in this one shot? Mm-hmm. And then couple days later the makeup or the prosthetic guy starts like i can confirm this is it and i was like i just i'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it because if they're going that far to create the character of and i mean it it is the most it is the only character who has a disfigurement Mm -hmm. besides two-faced but that's acid-based right but like a birth (laughs) defect i mean that's that's the penguin has to have the flippers or yeah and i and i'm hoping he does (laughs) that would be like if you know puts his hands up and freezes and there's two flippers in the air. Yeah. Um, but that's what I'm saying is that that's why it works for his interpretation. Yeah. Whereas Danny DeVito in, uh, Batman in Tim Burton's <laughs> Batman, uh, no Batman 92. You're right. You're right. Um, <laughs> oh, damn it. Come on, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, 
<laughs> um, that world was more campy and more comic yes. book, yeah. and that's why that look, even though it was kind of dark, that worked for that. You couldn't put Danny DeVito in Matt Reeves' Batman world. It just wouldn't <laughs> just work. So strange. No, right? no, it would yeah. be. And that's that's in the casting and everything. But you And you, you also couldn't, I don't think you could put Colin Farrell in, in uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman world because that, to me, was more like 1970s DC Comics, Neil Adams' Batman, in a way. It was way more realistic. Like, if Batman was real, that's the world that it would be. Yes. Right? And that's, I guess there's a big, like, there's more responsibility on makeup to be, I guess, like, with the timeline, like, like, if you can get very experimental with it, because you have no bounds, but as much as the screenplay needs to be accurate, the continuity of you have to, to capture accurate. the essence of, yeah. of what the world is that the story is taking place. I don't know if I asked you this before, so slap me if I have, um, <laughs> getting <but> ready. It, <laughs> I'm giving that to Doug, not oh. to you. Um, <laughs> I fucking lost my question. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, no, here we go. I, you, you'd mentioned that when the director goes, well, we want him to have a cut. We don't want him to have a cut. And then everything's on the fly. What do you, are you part of those decisions or, or is makeup involved in that when they make the decision to do that? Because I feel that you're the guy who's going to be like, this is what we can, can and should and should not do. Yeah. Um, so when those changes happen, um, are they leaving that to you or is the director who doesn't know the makeup? Like I'm not trying to create drama here in this question, but like, (laughs) like how much is left to you to then on the fly go, okay, I'm going to, I have a carte blanche or do I have reins? Like where's what happens is before any project, you have your initial meeting with the director just to talk about certain things. And then you'll come back and you'll actually sit down and have a makeup or a prosthetics meeting. And, um, and sometimes the director is really specific or sometimes you'll read something in the script and you'll go, oh, and I guess you want that. And sometimes they'll go, that's just something the writer did. Just ignore that. And, uh, <laughs> Poor writer. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> and then sometimes like this, this uh, show that I'm working on now, I read the script and it sounds to me like, oh, it's not really much of anything. And then you have your meeting and it's like, Oh, we need Shit. to. <laughs> we really need. That's this. why I stayed up till three this morning because I need to get my pieces ready for this test next week. Um, because this is way more than than it was, you know, imagined in in the script. So there's there's those discussions that you have, and then there's deeper discussions about the director might say, "I want to do something to his teeth." And and that's where a lot of times you can step in and go, um, you know, I think that's a good idea, but I think that it's you're just it's going to be a lot of time wasted on something that you're really not going to see. And I think we should we could achieve more in effect doing this as opposed to doing this. Right. And ninety nine times out of a hundred, they will go, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. You're right. Um, Especially when or, it's about cutting down time. Well, not even time, <laughs> but there's. It's not cutting down time. It's it's uh, wasting time on something that you're not right. gonna really see. Like what is you know, um, and and again that that isn't always a true statement because I know for instance in the original Godfather movie there was several characters who did the make I, I was Dick, reading about Dick Smith Dick Smith did that yeah so the the cotton balls in the mouth but it's not cotton it's balls not they, cotton were, ball. yeah. they were dental plumpers okay oh. but. 
um, there were other characters in the movie, like Sonny, played by James Caan, yeah. and um, I actually have this. Oh, um, yeah. the, Do you want a point? <laughs> the Tur- the Turkish uh, drug guy. Um, yeah. Uh, s- Stolazzo? No. Um, Salazzo. Salazzo. Yeah. Salazzo. Um, he sleeps with the fishes. And uh, and there was another character that the uh, Coppola wanted them to have, like, bigger kind of, not sharp fangs, but bigger kind of canine, animal-looking cool. teeth because that was kind of their character, that they were, you know, they would just... Uh, react in an animalistic kind of way. Oh, that's cool. That's meta. You never, yeah. you would never notice or see them. But I think it was for the actors. Once they had these things feel. in, oh. it was a feel um, about uh, to help to cool. help sell yeah. the character, right? So in those instances, you can do stuff that no one will see. Like I've done, you know, I worked with Jennifer Conley, and she wanted a little lightning bolt tattoo kind of just behind her ear. I don't think we ever saw it in the movie, but she knew it was there, and that was part of her character. And I think that helps mental, uh, mentally to totally. get into that, to get into that, That's even really if cool. it's just something small like that. But Well, I, I would imagine it, like, the evolution of movies is to make whatever you're doing seem more believable. Correct. So in that regard, if you can give a character something, some sort of prosthetic, that's going to push them even that much closer to, to your purpose. Believable for the audience, believable for them, the actors. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really, do you, do you see a lot of that more often than not? Or is that? Yeah. I mean, but it can be anything. It it can be a little tiny Lightning lightning bolt tattoo behind your ear or, um, and I've worked with actors actually who we didn't have time to do prosthetic stuff and, and I've done some things and then they're saying, Oh, I wish, I wish that we had had time. Uh, cause I, I, I would have felt more character if I could have done this and this and whatnot. So interesting. Cause they really, you know, they use most good actors to me use the accoutrement that hair, makeup and <laughs> wardrobe <laughs> Yeah. can can give to help them feel the character because it's 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 not the part of the part yeah. of the thing is they get the outward appearance and that helps them inside inside yeah. to internalize yeah to internalize the character and make it more real and believable for them even if there's things that we won't see as an audience that's really interesting. It's something I never even considered. I don't even Jimmy. think about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it would, because with green screens and everything, like you want as much of an edge, I guess, as possible to assume the role or assume the character. So, yeah. Wow. But, but getting back to our original question, yeah, there's, you know, sometimes a director will say, hey, you know, should we do this or that? And, and 99 times out of 100, they'll listen to you because they'll, they'll say, they you know, you. you're the expert. Yeah. We've hired you for this. And they'll also um, rely on your experience. Right you know, working with kids or doing prosthetics or what's really going to show and stuff like that. So. What's it like working with kids? Uh, for the most part, it's actually pretty good. What are yeah. they? Well, they're still actors. Like they still. Oh yeah. No, I just, I'm, I'm looking at, okay. So you've got a professional actor who's like, all right, I got to be here for six hours in this chair. We're doing some intense makeup, some aging stuff They're They have patience from a life. Let me tell room. you, except for one experience, I've done prosthetics on a lot of kids um, most of them have been better than the adults. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> well, I guess because the adults can bitch. They know how to like. Or they just, or they complaints. just don't want to sit there, and every ten minutes they get up and 
you know, in a three hour makeup or whatever. And it's just extending it. <laughs> yeah. What I know we talked about this before with some of the pieces you've done, but what do you, what is, how do you keep them in the chair? Cause I remember we were talking about, I think it was Robin Williams. We talked about before and no, was that, Maybe that was somebody else. Jumanji? Jumanji, yes. Yeah, yeah. So the movements of him and, and getting excited and, and moving around, right? What, but what do... Like, do you have a system where you can kind of keep something? Wait, I didn't do anything on Robin. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I I'm, I think I'm confusing something. Oh, yeah. I think you might be talking about uh, another actor. <laughs> oh, all right. That narrows it right down. Yeah, which we won't... That's which, fine. Yeah, but I'm, yes, that can be... Um, do you have tricks is what I'm saying. I don't want to know the stories, but do you have... Like, is there a work, way... To work as fast as To work as can. fast as... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and there's sometimes, like this one actor, where I just had to say something. Oh, man. And, and you, put them in their place. You, you don't want to, <laughs> No, but, totally. But in the end... You have to do the best job you can because if it looks crappy coming out, it comes back to you. they're not going to go, hey, you know, no. you were squirming in the chair. They're going to say, hey, Doug, you <laughs> fucked up. You were squirming yeah. in the so, chair. And then it. you're going to be like, they were squirming and it like, doesn't yeah. fucking matter. So that's what I, you know, one time, one time this actor, I said, you know, can you just chill out? If you're going to eat, take small bites and, um, you know, this needs to look good. And yeah. We're both in this together here. How yeah, they, exactly. Yeah. How did they react to that? Uh well, I guess I sounded pretty firm. Okay. So oh. they, uh, I'd like they, to see that because you're a really sweet guy, man. They so. were, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. We'll talk about this in a second. But uh, they responded well and good. kind of like good, a little good, jokey, good. like going like oh, that. But <laughs> so, okay. Taking so, a yeah. tiny little bite. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, just, something, you know, in, in the film industry, you're always working with different people. And, you know, sometimes you work with really quiet people and sometimes you work with people that yell all the time and in my experience in life i don't listen to the people that yell all the time because they're not yelling because they're mad they just want to be heard and they think this is the way <laughs> it's a temper tantrum. and i and i'm just you know yeah. when i'm working i'm just quiet and i like to have fun and and whatnot and the few times that i've actually gotten really angry people notice and they will right because you're not usually that, that way because you're not that way Right. So then they know that there's Oops. a problem. Right. Like one time I was on a show and I had done this prosthetic makeup. This is several years ago. And I had come to set and I was like, where's where's so and so? And somebody said, oh, they've taken them for stills. So something like they'll do promotional stills or whatnot. The stuff that gets on ET Canada. All Ex that exactly. Yeah. Or or right on the cover of the the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray. Oh, tribute, yeah. Whatever, okay. Right? Sure. And I'm like, yeah, because there is a set photographer that's mm -hmm. always yeah. running around, right? And they usually like they plan for this stuff, and they'll say, "Hey, we're going to do this." So this happened, and so I, it's like, "Where are they?" And they, so they took me there, and they, oh, we just finished, Doug. And I like, I totally freaked out on them, <laughs> and then I walked out of this room. We were shooting in a, in a hockey rink, and I walked down the the aisle, kind of the space outside of the rink underneath yeah. where the change rooms are and I walked down there was a empty garbage can there and I hoofed it all the way down the hall <laughs> and people were like oh, Pay, they there, paid attention. there's a big problem here yeah because yeah, I was furious yeah and so I went to the producer and said I want to see these pictures because if they're not good I wasn't informed right and it's I need, work. I need to be there yeah right it's not just my work it's work that's going to represent the show right and True. if, if yeah. there's something that I see that they don't I need to be there. say something. Yeah. yeah. 
And so that was, you know, just one experience, but that shouldn't have happened. No. No, no. totally. And that's but somebody not thinking most about of the time, other people at the time. Most of the time, time I'm, I'm water off my back, and it's like, okay, what? I don't care. Let's just get this. If you want blue lipstick, fine. Let's just do it. <laughs> Make them an avatar. Where's Where's craft service? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Do you, I imagine, like, could you create some sort of like spa like environment with some sage in the background? Like just to cucumber. make these, like, some cucumber makeup water. Artists, some makeup artists and hair people do. They have those little uh, atomizers yeah. that, uh, you know, um, have the uh, essential oils that yeah. mist into the air and all like that. Just kind the most peaceful and, environment like I think possible. The, the woman that works with me, Christy, I think she has one of those. And yeah, we'll like candles that smell nice. And But then not everybody likes that. Right. Yeah. Right. Not everybody likes blaring rock music first thing in the morning <laughs> and stuff. So who doesn't live a little Motley Crue at six thirty? We on. tried it until we get to know them. We try to keep it very neutral in every way. It's a very personal experience. Like yeah, after the first you're time in their face, talk, yeah, all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to be friends, and I don't no. go out of my way to to make friends with them. If a friendship develops, Great. which which it has over my career, yeah. I'm, friends with a lot of actors that i've worked with over the years but if it doesn't you know that's it's fine it's a working experience it's a working relationship it's like i'm working in an office cubicle and you're beside me and it's like hey michael how's it going good Good. right (laughs) great now shave your beard because it looks terrible um Coming from a guy who plays with faces all day long, I'm going to take. It I'm going to try. It, I'm it looks, trust that. It looks good. I wish I could grow a real beard. I can't. This is the best I can do. A goatee. I, hey man, if I could rock a goatee, I totally would. But I look like I shouldn't be allowed near school if I have a goatee, right? So <laughs> yeah. I just don't don't even do it. Yeah. Um, so I told you that instead of talking more about everything you know, I wanted to get your opinion on some things. Mm-hmm. So we are going to play. This is where we get the pros eye on things. So I picked three different movies that, from your perception just things that the naked eye the, the 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 audience member wouldn't know and then you gave us three that i've got notes on that are incredibly fucking pivotal we've this is this is going to be fun because it's like i mean planet of the apes is on your list citizen kane is on his list and wizard of oz and i love that it's all evolution of makeup and not like i picked all the cool new stuff <laughs> but he picked all of the historical stuff so we have a lovely balance of both um, so we will start with um, we're going to start with Jim Carrey in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, which is Rick Baker, and, and Kazu, and Kazu. Oh, Kazu's in that too. Okay. Well, Kazu is the one who applied it every day. Really? So yeah. Baker designed it. Baker designed it, and I'm pretty sure he sculpted it, and Kazu applied it every day. Yep. Okay. So basic question first: What does that entail? Like, what are we watching as that's happening? Well, Kazu applied. Wait, Kazu applied every day until he. Jim Carrey hated it. I can only imagine. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, he was totally covered contact lenses, dentures. That's a hard thing to do for 90 days. Like, you know, and um, I'm just giving you a little story here. Yes, please. That's what we so want. I, I don't think he didn't. It's not that he didn't like Kazu. He just, after a while, it was just like, I, this is Kazu way more had a than thing I thought. He didn't it's like. torture. To the, oh, point yeah. Where, yeah. to the point where Kazu's like, I just can't deal with this and quit. And oh. so they got another guy who's a super talented makeup artist, incredible, but he Kazu's super fast. Like this guy, he is a genius. He's from another planet sent to Earth <laughs> to show us how this should all be done. What's being done on Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the, the other guy who's a super talented, brilliant makeup artist, and actually he's a friend of mine, um, couldn't do it as fast as Kazu. So they said, well, if you want Kazu back, you got to call him and ask him to come oh, back. Oh, no. <laughs> and 
And I believe, and that's what happened. Then Kazu came back and finished well, it with the salary. Kazu like, could do that makeup yeah. in just over two hours. Are you serious? That is yeah. completely insane. Yeah, I've seen. I guess I've seen a replica of it because when I went to Universal last year, they've got the hor- they've got the makeup horror museum in the Universal Studios in Florida. You yeah. would uh, have you seen it? No, no. Okay. I mean, I've seen it online. Okay, yeah, it is amazing. They had actually Lon Chaney's kit. Oh yeah, yeah. In in like for display, and it's like. The, it's like when you go into your grandfather's shed after he's passed away and he's still got all the things from the 50s and the 60s. Oh, it's cool, yeah. That's exactly what his kit looked like. So yeah. you, were, you were looking at the evolution of it, but I think they had one of the masks. They must have had more Probably. than one on display. And it is this... It, it looks like something out of the man with the iron mask. Like it looks like a contraption <laughs> that would be a torture device. But it was so... Like his appliances. His appliances, yeah. yeah. And just to do that in two fucking hours. That's and it's just bonkers. over two hours, like two and a quarter hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So what was his replacement doing it at? <laughs> I wonder. Like I couldn't. Well, so I'm not saying anything that's not out there. Rick Baker um, put out a book last year called Metamorphosis is a career. I heard about it when he was on Rogan. Yeah. And um, so in the book, uh, this other makeup artist said that um, Jim listened to the same music every morning. Okay. The exact same music, and he would start it right when the makeup started, so he could track. This is what when it's the makeup end. artist thinks where he should be in oh, the makeup. Oh, okay. interesting! And so I think that was how he could figure out that he was taking longer. <laughs> was. And there's an extra fifteen songs on the playlist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting little trick. So, uh, yeah. Wow. But um. Anyway, so your question about the Grinch is my question about the Grinch is what from from looking at it what is that is that is that the foam that you were talking about is what where what is being done to him from, okay. just from the naked eye? Well, first of all, there's nothing in that makeup that's revolutionary okay. in terms of anything that hadn't been done on. Very specifically to me, there was a movie that came out in the seventies called The Island of Doctor Moreau with oh, Burt Lancaster. Yes, so I've only seen the remake with Marlon Brando and. Val Kilmer. Oh no, you have to see you have to see the Island of Lost Souls with Charles Lawton, nineteen thirty two Paramount, and then you have to see American International Pictures Burt Lancaster version, nineteen seventy seven. I am with tonight makeup now. with makeup by John Chambers and Tom Berman and Dan Streepeck. You have to watch that. Okay. Um, the Grinch makeup to me is exactly like that makeup. They. I don't know if they did this for Jim because he had big teeth. I don't know if they made teeth and then cast his face with the teeth in. But for the Island of Dr. Moreau, they had big dentures because they were playing animal creatures. Yeah, they were hybrids. So they made dentures, put them in their mouths, cast their faces. Um, So they all had appliances, wigs, hair work, dentures. Some of them had contact lenses, fur suits. Everything that Jim Carrey was going through, it's exactly the same. Just that didn't take 90 days to shoot. And <laughs> yeah. that Bert, uh, Richard Baser to play the Sayer of the Law wasn't in the makeup for 90 days. But in terms of <laughs> the, everything was exact same. It was foam latex. It was, you know, Pax Paint de- developed by uh, Dick Smith. Dentures, contact lenses, hair pieces. Um, 70 years later. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, no, not 70. This, the... The version I'm talking about was 77, but still it was 43 years or whatever. But Um, the difference between the two, they're just using the same thing. They're using exactly the same thing. Just, you know, in 77, they were pre-painting the pieces with rubber cement paint and using rubber mask grease paint. And Kazu was, you know, using Pax paint and and, uh, 
Illustrator, like these alcohol activated colors. But there wasn't, there's nothing revolutionary about it other than it was an amazing design. And Rick had to go through a million different designs to the point where they, they said, why, you know, we're paying Jim Carrey $20 million to be the Grinch and we can't even tell it's him. And Rick's like, <laughs> he's the Grinch. Like, he's supposed to look like Isn't that the my 1960s. Yeah, 1966, you know, cartoon. <laughs> to the point where they, like they, they demanded that they do a test where he just painted Jim Carrey with regular makeup and used hair pieces. Oh, no. Which I've seen the Is... test. You can see them online. It looks amazing. Oh, okay. But it just doesn't have the same... So finally what happened was I think Jim came to Rick's shop and Rick had done tests on himself and he was looking at pictures of them and he said, I, I like that one. Why Why isn't it just that one? So Rick just made it and that's what they got. And that's just how it, how it and is. And he won an Oscar for it. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. yeah I, told, I, have, I have the list of Men in Black, Jim uh, Grinch, yeah. uh, Baker. Well, American Werewolf, Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. Harry, and the Hen- love Harry and the Hendersons. Harry and yeah. the Hendersons. <laughs> oh, such a classic child's movie. Uh, okay, moving on. So the next one I wanted to talk about, and I've heard that Perlman had a fucking nightmare with this, was was Hellboy, the original Hellboy. Not the remake with What's-His-Nuts from... Uh, David Harbour. David Harbour, David but Harbour, the yeah. original Hellboy yeah. and Hellboy and the Golden Army. Yeah. Um, so what would... Because that's, that's a giant headpiece that's getting into coloring, and I would imagine... You take the lead. Please tell us how... <laughs> it's, again, it's it's no different from the Grinch. It's still foam latex pieces. Yeah, he had a big headpiece with the horns. Um, you got to remember, too, none of this is comfortable. It can't Right? Be. Especially <laughs> is, sorry, especially no, is, foam rubber is not comfortable, and it smells. And <laughs> you smell feel like, like you're... What does it smell like? It smells like sulfur. Oh. Now, now oh. We, put, we put stuff... It's a sulfur we, mask. We put what's called a reodorant into the foam, so it has a more pleasant smell. It smells like fresh oh. laundry? It smells like lavender. Oh, oh lovely. Yeah. lovely. And lavender is a soothing smell. Yeah. That's what they put in all those automizers, yeah. so it makes but, sense. But he, you know, but foam latex, it, it, uh, it's tight... Um, it's, it's, you know, it breathes, you can sweat through it, but it's not, it's not comfortable. And then when he had the whole body suit, like it's just not, you know, it's, it's, it's not a comfortable thing. And you have to be, to me, cause I've worn tons of these things and I've actually, like I was telling you, I was on the X-Files yep, yep. for, you know, a week playing something. You have to be incredibly devoted, like Doug Jones, to your craft of wanting to put that on and you get remunerated very well. But it's it is not comfortable, for sure. And I I, I worked I with really Ron imagine. Perlman. Like I did a life cast of him for a TV movie that we did in Vancouver a million years ago called The Adventures of Captain Zoom in Outer Space. Oh, sweet. and he sounds was, like a hit. <laughs> he was yeah. He was a really nice guy. He's a super nice guy. And totally, I met him at Comic Con a couple years ago. He's a very nice guy. Yeah, and totally devoted to his craft and and whatever. Um, so I can't imagine that he was an asshole. I could just imagine that it's just not. And he, the guy's, you know, he he's the original Doug Jones, where he was, you know, a lot of his roles were prosthetic makeups. Well, with the Beauty and the Beast Beauty that and the he Beast. did. And then he was in The Name of the Rose, yeah. where he had uh, prosthetics on his face there. Yeah. Hellboy, like, he and Quest for Fire. Like, Perlman said right. he, like, until they picked David Harbour, Perlman said he would do it again. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah he, he did. did. Oh, yeah. yeah, he said he was totally down for it. Which yeah. I, I mean, when you when you do something like that, when you put a guy through that much work for two movies, 
I'm give him the Hellboy. third. Like I'm <laughs> Hellboy. I've, I've solidified my role as yeah. Hellboy. Oh yeah, he's so good in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but in terms of I'm 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 not trying to say that the makeup's not good by saying it's just the same thing as the Grange. Yes, you're just saying the, the same makeup techniques. is brilliantly so executed. Yeah. It is brilliantly sculpted. Um, it's expertly applied. Uh, it's it's a great character makeup. It's terrific. It's amazing. I it love is, it. It is one of my favorites. And like yeah. the CGI that they add into it, like that's one of those complimentary. Yeah, totally. You're taking both, like with the the flaming yeah. uh, horns above his head when he's a kid and stuff, and the, the big hand. Like... Yeah. Well, that makeup on the kid was actually so in the first movie. Uh, Rick Baker Studio just did Hellboy, and there was two other companies that built. The other stuff. Yeah. There's the Samael creature. Oh, yeah. And, the, the thing that's running. And, yeah. Yep. And one of the companies is a Spanish company. And they won Oscar for... Um, what's the movie where Doug Jones plays the pan character? Oh, uh, Pan's Shape Labyrinth. Of Pan, oh. Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Shape Labyrinth, of yeah. yeah. Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. So, so that company that won the Oscar for that did stuff for Hellboy. And on Hellboy 2, there's young Hellboy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so the couple that owns his company, the wife played the young Hellboy because oh. she's like little, oh. little. And so she That's went a girl? the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that, that makeup to me is also incredible. Like it's really well executed. And the, th- the thing you have to remember about all of this stuff Okay, I'm pointing just because you guys can't see my workshop. Well, they will after once we take a shit ton of <laughs> my pictures. My workshop, of when you, yeah, when you see, I don't have pictures of my work up at all. I have pictures up of stuff that inspires me, like posters from The Wizard of Oz and Planet of the Apes and 2001 A Space Odyssey and The Exorcist and Lon Chaney. Because um, when I come into my workshop, I want to be inspired. It's nice and bright, and um, I just want to come in here and make cool stuff. And so I'm I loving do too now. Yeah. I, want to, like, I mean, this is, this is an inspirational. So, room, man. um, so when I'm, when I'm, uh, you know, I'm a big, huge fan of this, but when I'm saying that, oh, it's just the same old techniques, that doesn't mean that the makeup's not revolutionary and executed well, because the thing that, the thing about Hellboy and the Grinch and 1968 Planet of the Apes and the Frankenstein monster is that you, even though they're old technology uh, to, to create these characters, you still believe every word coming out of their mouth because they were so well executed. Planet of the Apes still works, and it's a movie made in the 60s. There's no car chases and explosions and digital armies of a million people. It's a great story and excellent actors um, working in really well-executed makeups. Very much so. And that's why all this stuff works. It's the same stuff done in it it's like you said you have to have the bones of your kit of the same things yeah it doesn't matter that they're using the same things it's how well they're using them exactly right? yeah, yeah. Okay. so that's why that's why all of this stuff works that's why and you know you have ron perlman as hellboy who's you know an incredible actor and knows how to work through rubber and brings a soul to that visage of how he looks very which much is so. well executed yeah Totally. Yeah. Well, you're sweating inside of a thing. Like, I know I'm the kind of person, like, I'm I'm such a bitch when it comes to creature comforts and such. So, like, if I was ever lucky enough to be Ron Perlman in Hellboy, I would be demanding so much bullshit from people. And, like, can you put an air conditioning unit in this thing, please? My balls are sweating. Like, but they already do stuff like that. They, oh, like so they, they do make they allowances. Go, they already, because now, they, you know, we've all been doing this for a long time. Um, and we know 
you know, if somebody's, um, you know, like even here in town, if I've done uh, shows where I have people in aging makeups and we're shooting in the summer, they will bring a giant air conditioning unit and hook a hose up to an open window and, and refrigerate the set so that the actors are more comfortable. I would imagine you know, like they do get, stuff like well, that or they'll build creature suits and they have um, a cool suit underneath that runs um, cold water through it. So they don't okay. die. I believe the, yeah. the 2018 predator movie, the predator suit had fans built into it. And the problem was he couldn't hear direction Maybe. and stuff. Cause the fans were just running too loud. <laughs> well, they're right in the Pardon? suit, right? What's my just... cue? <laughs> That's a Things great, like that. yeah. no, um, with the painting, the body painting, I mean, there's that age-old rumor that the lady from Goldeneye, or Goldfinger, sorry, painted in gold paint, died. I know, it's bullshit, right? <laughs> um, the body paint, though, that goes into characters like Hellboy and whatnot, um, is that spray-on? Is that, are you brushing? Is that, like, is that, like, activated? That, that was a big foam rubber suit. Oh. So head-to-toe, he's in a foam rubber suit that, for, from torso up, I from guess. From torso up. That's not his body. That's, okay. That's a foam rubber suit that he's oh in. Oh, my God. It looks like somebody painted him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. it's really brilliantly executed. I thought it was just a headpiece, say, down to you know your, your neckline, and then... I'm sure Ron appreciates that. But... <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Like, no, yeah. I would never think that that's a full fucking suit. Yeah, wow. it's a full suit. Same with David Harbour. He had a yeah. full torso. Damn. Yeah arms and everything i yeah. mean as much as everybody says you're getting paid five million dude, 20 million too much well you go do that for <laughs> for a day right and see what it's like to have to build it and go through it like oh yeah and that's the purpose of plus talking. the hours yeah like 15 20 hours oh, sometimes maybe more. probably 18 hours a day between getting into the makeup shooting and taking it off and only probably six hours of actual film time because it takes maybe. five hours to get in sometimes and <laughs> no, no no they have pre-calls oh, okay. okay they'll have pre-calls they'll take three four five hours to do what they need they'll shoot for 10 or 12 hours and then they'll take an hour oh, to it's clean even worse them up than i thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> man uh, okay, lastly, on the list of things I wanted to ask you about before we get into your, your troves of, of love here, um, and I asked this specifically because it's an aging makeup, mm-hmm. um, and it was probably one of the ones that I remember seeing being like, hot damn, that's impressive. Um, what goes into uh, Marty's mom in Back to the Future as they age Leia Thompson? Oh, so it's, again, um, so that was a guy named Ken Chase who um, is a makeup artist. Uh, I think he's retired now. Uh, but his first, his, he was a permittee. So just, I just got to give you a bit of backstory. Yeah, Ken no, Chase. we want, we love <laughs> so, backstory. So Ken Chase was at what we call a permittee in the IATSE union in LA, which means how you start is you become a permittee and you build up your days. And then once you get your certain number of days and probably in Los Angeles, he probably needed 120 days working on different shows. Then he would take a test and he would pass it and he would become what's called a journeyman makeup artist. Wow. Jumps through so, some hoops. Yeah. So back when they shot the original Planet of the Apes, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of, first of all, makeup artists because it was you know still much smaller than it is now. And there also was hardly any people who specialized in doing prosthetics because they just, you know, there was the occasional show here and there that might have a nose or whatever. So John Chambers, who designed the makeup for Plan of the Apes, hired Ken Chase, who was a permittee, who had barely any experience, yeah. but was super talented and had this drive to apply the Dr. Zayas makeup every day in the original Planet of the Apes. <laughs> so that's, you know, the guy, he had uh, skill. In, it's that poster at the end there, uh, Michael, that's... Okay. So he did it for Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet of the Apes and also did Paul Williams' 
uh, orangutan uh, Virgil in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. So Planet it's is so like, lifelike. It yeah. is mind-blowing to me what so they were doing in 68. He, so Ken became, you know, like very excellent uh, and known as a prosthetic guy. And I think he did the first Roots uh, TV uh, okay. miniseries. Like he, the LeVar Burton he, he created, one, yeah, yeah, the LeVar Burton one. He created all of the aging prosthetics and stuff. Um, so, uh, so on Back to the Future, it was, again, just the same old technology. But those makeups were very well executed for the time, which was 1985. What's, what goes in? Because aging is, one, is, is kind of one of your things, right? Yeah. So is, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say is one thing easier than the other because it obviously discounts something. But is, is aging maybe easier than something else? Or is it tougher than something no, else? No, like because everyone, they, it's like talking about, oh, just do a nose. Um, creating an aging makeup that looks real is infinitely harder than creating an alien. I was, that's that's right. what I'm getting at right. because an alien, you have liberties, right? You can go yeah. but with aging. It's like, okay, now they look like an old alien. And again, when you're, when <laughs> you're working like <laughs> when you're working in, when you're working in movies, there's a lot of input from a different number of people as to how someone is supposed to look. And of course in that, movie because they're jumping back and forth in time and there's different timelines they are yeah <laughs> fuck me that's the secret to the movie so at the beginning of the movie if you notice um she looks much plumper and heavier and um she, yeah the actor playing uh george his dad um, oh uh, what the fuck's his Nuts. Crispin Glover Crispin Glover he, he looks <laughs> he looks more worn and stuff he does and then at the end of the movie, they look different. They still look older, but they look more attractive. Right? She's thinner and stuff. So yeah. there's all kinds of stuff that go into things that you don't even really notice when you're watching the movie. Nope, not so you said it. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, which I'm sure no one noticed, but in Back to the Future, Doc Brown is aged at the beginning and end of the movie. But in the middle? But in the middle, he's not. Oh. And is it's that done one, very that... subtly. He's got old age stipple on his face and made to look older and paler and stuff. And then when Marty goes back in time, that's all gone. All... Yes. When, yeah. they, when they find him at his house and he's yeah. like, Doc, what yeah. are you doing? Oh, I just fell Marty. off the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't even notice. I... Flex capacitor. Um, <laughs> but her, but her, those makeups were well ad- executed. And um, uh, again, like, it, it, you know, making somebody look older and heavier, that's quite difficult. I would imagine it would be because yeah. it's it's a definitive characteristic, right? Like you can say, "Wow, that person looks sixty, and you're trying to make them look forty, and yeah. then <laughs> you can kind of fall off your your trajectory. Trajectory, so yeah. that where you can make an alien, you just make it nastier or scarier or or elf or elf, yeah, right? like or elf. <laughs> Elf's on Prime. I think you're watching it, aren't it you? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. have. Okay, been. I really have been watching Elf. Um, so yeah, I and that's kind of want to get your take from it. And does she look? The way, like, like from your eye, is she aging appropriately? <laughs> you mean in the show? Yeah, is it the continuity? I mean, you know, I look at it, you know, I, I, I'm looking at it with a very critical eye, yes, right? Yeah. So um, at the time, I thought it was amazing. Looking back on it now, um, it's well executed. Um, again, there's so many things that go into why something might work or something might not work or might not work as well. 
that could be input from a whole bunch of people. It could be time. It could be money. Um, but again, on the, on the whole, I think that it that it's it's quite successful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it is the most beloved movie of all time. <laughs> I think like you can't walk into a room and say Back to the Future and someone tell you to fuck off. Yeah. What? Yeah. Everyone loves it. Yeah. yeah. And Ken, he's just a super talented makeup artist. Yeah. Do you find that I mean that's I mean, rain, by the way, people? Yeah, no, I, I I love it. I I I'm okay with background sound effects, right? Okay, like good. If, if we can get a foley artist on, yeah. just by what we're recording, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, but we were we were talking before we got here, and uh, it kind of. I mean, do you find that a set where every? I read about this thing recently called flow, and flow is what happens to gamers or people who find themselves in a the same task for a long period of time uh, we've broken nope. <laughs> you're good okay i don't want you i mean you said the power might go off i don't want you to fall out of your chair <laughs> so uh but um what i was getting at is is that do you find that a set where everybody's on the same page going in the same direction a little bit easier to work on than where it's chaos like is that because we were talking about the the hierarchy of a set and stuff and i don't want to get into the politics of it but for a creative person like yourself is makeup easier when everything is flowing in the right direction and you don't get caught in like a loop where you're like trying to get out or does that matter to you in your craft? No, I mean, in the end you, you want to please the director. You want to make sure that what you're doing, he's happy with. Cause I've been on a few sets where, uh, you know, the director's super happy with what you're doing and, uh, and a producer, who's not in a creative position because there's different producers <laughs> and a producer who might not be in a creative aspect of it doesn't agree with or doesn't think that that direction is good. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time now and in the end, I just don't care now. I just, <laughs> hell yeah. If the director is happy with what we're doing, Enough said. that's the Perfect. most important thing. Okay. And, and the actor, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right. We're going to get into what you like now. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you listed Planet of the Apes, 1968, Wizard of Oz, 1939, and Citizen Kane, 1931. Okay, 41. <laughs> Let's start with Wizard of Oz. What is it that you love so much about the makeup in Wizard of Oz? Because I read a bunch of things today, and that movie had a lot of problems. A lot of people were replaced. A lot of things <laughs> were changed on the fly, and it still came out a fucking masterpiece. So what is it about different, that? Different directors. Yes. And, uh, well, first, it's the first, um, as far as I'm, I know, it's the first fantasy movie that had a majority of the main actors in prosthetic makeup yeah an ensemble i don't think that had ever been really done there was a 1935 version of um shakespeare's uh king lear no romeo and juliet no it's a (laughs) fantasy piece with puck and uh, oh um not much to do about nothing no uh it's the lovers one with puck the uh yeah the little uh jester of sorts anyway there's a 35 version of mickey rooney's in it a lot of big actors at the time were in it and that had a lot of fantasy makeups and stuff but weren't they like minotaurs and such and yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. stuff um Minotaur Dick Jimmy, just like that one episode. Yeah. (laughs) But but The Wizard of Oz was really the first time. Like, there was, you know, first of all, the guy who played the wizard, he 
he has, I think he's four different people in that movie. He plays what? Professor Marvel, the Wizard of Oz, the Coachman Driver, and the the guy at the door to Emerald City. Right. So he's in he's in um, three of three prosthetic makeups. Right. I mean, that's really cool. You know, like when he is. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, I believe he's got like little cheek pieces and a nose piece and a chin and a bald pate with a cool wig. Um, and then you have like the actors who are not only playing the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man, and the, and uh, the Scarecrow, but they're also the characters in Dorothy's real Universe, world in Kansas, right? Oh, right? so they're, they're playing the yeah. humans and... Yeah. Yes, okay. So yeah. that's, that's really cool. And then you have... The Witch, which is also uh, Miss Gulch, and then all the Munchkins. Like it was a huge, a huge movie. Well, Technicolor being a huge thing at the time. Yeah, like, it, it it was on. It was riding a wave of a lot of different production yeah. value as like things in the industry. Like that jumped a huge boundary between what was. I being have made done. fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to to that and Tell so that to the Wicked to, Witch of the West <laughs> to be able to produce. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> To be able to produce all of those makeups and whatnot is it's just incredible. And it's so well executed. It's like, uh, it, like it's it's amazing. Jack Don is the artist of Jack Don is yeah. the artist, but Charles Schramm, who he was he became uh, an amazing makeup artist, um uh great at foam latex and character stuff. William Tuttle, who won the first Oscar for uh, Seven Face of Doctor Lowe. Um, probably Westmore's worked on it. Like there was a ton of what became big makeup artists worked on it. It's a launch pad for some, some oh, serious yeah. career. And I mean, your yeah. resume is on screen, right? Which yeah. is why I would imagine that guy who took the what's his nuts for some stills. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> they have a sense of fucking what's going on around you, buddy. Right. Yeah. I, I have some notes here on it. Um, so Tin Man's costume was made of leather covered buckram. Yeah. What's buckram? It's a, it's a, it's a material. Okay. All yeah. right. And then... Do you know the story about the Tin Man's makeup and the no, two actors that tell played us him? the story. So originally, the Tin Man was played by Buddy Ebsen, okay. who's Barnaby Jones and uh, Jed Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> yeah. We struck oil. So how they originally did his makeup, and they shot with him for several weeks, they would paint his face with clown white makeup. So it was very greasy. And then they dusted him with aluminum powder. And he, because there's all these things about him being allergic to the makeup. Well, what happened was he was inhaling the, the aluminum. aluminum. Oh, no. For weeks and weeks and weeks to one morning he woke up and he just couldn't breathe. And so he was in an iron lung for <laughs> The for Tin Man weeks. was in an iron lung. So he was replaced oh. with um, Jack Haley. And <laughs> once they figured this out... Somebody said, well, why don't we just mix the aluminum into the clown white? Yeah. And that's what they did. So <laughs> Let's make it more of a paste. Let's yeah. put it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So that's why, because for years you'd read that he had an allergic reaction. I've yeah, heard, yeah. That's what I always thought it was. And, yeah. Well, that was probably what the publicity department right. wanted every the world to know, right? Not that they would. That's not what happened. So PR got a handle on it. Yeah. Um, as they do. And then apparently the lion costume was like real lion skins. and cool. Yes, yeah, it does, yeah. does say that here for the lion too. Um, Cowardly Lion was made from lion skin and fur. For the horse of a different color scene, jello powder was used to color 
the white horses. Mm-hmm. Asbestos was used to achieve no. some of the special effects, like witch burning broomstick and the fake snow that covers Dorothy as she sleeps in the field of bumpies. <laughs> that's true. That's true? Yeah. Okay, because that's they Wikipedia, rained, so I kind of wanted to... rained it down on them. Oh, no. Yeah. Rained down <laughs> well, asbestos. Well, because when they're lying in the field, the poppy field, yeah. and they're falling asleep, and, uh, and Glinda the Good Witch... You know, wants makes him to wake snow. up. She yeah. makes it snow, and it's asbestos. Because yeah. <laughs> aluminum wasn't enough to aluminum inhale. Would, no, not Jesus at all. Jesus Christ! And then yeah. uh, Tin Man's oil was chocolate syrup. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Funny how something out off the shelf in the kitchen. Like, do you notice that? Like, do you ever try that sometimes? Where you're like, I did as a kid. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. Okay. But and like, I did. I've done a couple of black and white movies, and um, and for blood, just Hershey's. use chocolate. Well, syrup. So they use in Psycho, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's a good glass of milk and it's a good way to Big, stab yeah. somebody in the shower yeah <laughs> um i i've always loved i mean i love the wizard of oz but i love the return to oz that really weird 80s movie that they did where like the flying bulk yeah. and for bulk and like the different heads and stuff like oh, that cool. yeah. it was so cool but the wizard of oz yeah, is definitely i mean for its time 1939 i mean that's you are writing a book for I would imagine. Oh, it's a benchmark for makeup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your second pick. Uh, we're going to save this to last because I love it as much as you do. But Citizen Kane. I have never seen Jimmy. Have you ever seen Citizen Kane? I know Citizen Th- Kane through Simpsons references. Only. Okay. All right. So neither of us have seen Citizen <laughs> okay. Kane. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just hold on one second here. You guys have a podcast uh-huh. called Real R E E L Debaters. Yeah. Yeah, this is a you shame. talk about movies. Give yeah. it to us. You hate television. <laughs> And you guys have never seen the greatest movie ever made? I know. Give it to us. We deserve it. How can you not have seen it? Okay. So here is how this this whole podcast started based on what we know, what we didn't know. I know. And I I don't blame you because as I was picking this up, I was like, I've seen Planet. I've seen Wizard of Oz, but I haven't seen Citizen Kane. And I know it is it is a benchmark for how they made cinema. It is a story like no, like there's it is the heyday of big Hollywood movie. But I, I just, uh, I would maybe yeah. The Simpsons reference it so much. I feel like I know. <laughs> so, okay. I, I stopped. I, I, my, my mother had me watch a lot of old stuff when I was a kid. I just, I kind of fall, have fallen off track. So I have made a solemn vow for the rest of 2020 because there's not much to fucking do to watch as many classics. Do you own a and, computer? I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Jesus. Oh, I should have said Let nothing. You've been like, I love it too. What is what is my TV on right now? It it's Julius on Julius American Movie Classics. Oh, AMC, AMC, baby. AMC. Yeah. This is Ben Hur. Yeah, oh my Ben-Hur. god, I'm Stanley just, Kubrick. Yeah. I can't believe I'm I, sorry. I can't believe I invited you guys to my house. <laughs> I know. I know. For shame. Uh, I'm a huge movie freak, so I watch everything from Silence that were made in 1915 all the way to today. And see, I love movies. I up above us and this loft above me are a million books on classic movies. Um, because maybe you should send us with one each so that we get the <laughs> maybe, fuck caught up here. Maybe I should take over real debate. <laughs> <laughs> you could be our you can be our consultant. There you, you go. You okay. can keep us in line. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you should you should acquaint yourselves with these old movies because I know we a should. lot of them. Yeah are way better made and are more compelling than a lot of stuff made today. And that is the problem is that we have grown up in an era where it's not 
we're not educated on it mm-hmm. and we're educated on the blockbusters. We, 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 we follow a different set of how rules are followed. Yeah. So back in the day, I imagine it was the story. It wasn't the box office success. It was, it was the effort that it's went the into the story making. and the characters. Yeah. And but, now it's what drives cinema is dollars and cents. So, yeah. But for instance, this, well, like one of the things that makes Citizen Kane an amazing movie, other than the fact that, Orson Welles was 24 and they just gave him a blank check and said, make a movie. He had never, he had never made a movie. He had never directed a movie. All he had done was theater. He had never done anything. Well, it reads as theater. There's some, it's, it's got the play aspect. I've seen scenes of it. Sure. But here's, here's what's really amazing about Citizen Kane. One, it jumps back and forth in the story all the time. It's a It's got different timelines, right? It it has different timelines. It's, uh, a lot of it is shot kind of documentary style. Interesting. Um, what is this? It's, what is it's this? actually, if you first watch it, you think you're watching a newsreel documentary about uh, Charles Foster Kane. And the other thing is, is that um, it breaks the fourth wall continuously. Really? Yes. Which no movie no, I, had at done. The time, yeah. Up up to that point. You mean there was no Deadpool back then? There was no Deadpool. No. <laughs> so you have, there's a couple times where one of the characters actually turns and talks to the camera. Nothing like that had been done before. So now I'm, 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 now I'm just okay. talking about the movie as a whole. Yeah. Um, they built intricate sets. They did things that no other person would do. Like he had them cut a hole in the floor to put the camera because the camera couldn't go low enough For the into the set in concrete. So that they could stand six feet into the floor so they could get one specific shot. Just a straight vertical, yeah. Yeah. Um, at the time when the movie came out, it was pan, and everyone said, this is a piece of crap. It has now become <laughs> the, the what they call the greatest movie ever made. Yeah. And you have to watch it because the cinematography, the lighting, everything in this movie is pure genius. It's not that I don't like watching the classics. No, no, I no, love I'm, the classics. I'm, I'm, I just I'm, feel no, I need to defend I'm myself. Te- no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just you teasing are. you. But, I know you are. But you should, you should watch it because all these old movies will give you a, a really good um, sounding for stuff that you're watching now. Jimmy, we got homework. Yep. And <laughs> when you watch those old movies and then watch stuff that you're seeing now with all of the digital and everything. Making movies back then was way harder, but to me, more effective. Is that so because they didn't watch, have all the toys of today and they were kind of relying on... If you needed a thousand extras in period costume running around on a set, you had to build all that and whatever, and it makes it more real it to does. me. Yeah. So if you watch Ben-Hur with all of these extras and, and the 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 famous uh, chariot race, that's all shot for real with guys in chariots in a coliseum they built with a million extras and... How did they go about finding all these extras back then? Was well, it that, just newspaper that, ads? Email. Yeah. <laughs> that's the great thing about all My these Lord. old movies that... The work that goes into rounding up a thousand extras yeah. alone. And it, yeah. and it to me, they just... You know, a lot of it, you know... It, it, you can it, it has a 50s look or whatever but um it, to me they're just so well executed and this is citizen kane it is a genius movie and one of the genius things about it was the makeup 
because all the characters age and it jumps back and forth in time. So there was a very, uh, there was a makeup artist. He was like a, um, what we call a permittee at the time. He wasn't a union member. Green thumb. Yeah. And his name was Maurice Siderman. And Orson Welles was in the makeup department and he saw this guy in this little room building these prosthetics and stuff, which no one was doing. And he was looking at it going, wow, this guy's like really good. Like, can we get him to do the stuff on the movie? And they're like, they, no one knew who Orson Welles was. He was nobody. They're like, yeah, use him. We don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't want him. Right. Cause he's, cause this guy was, I want to change how stuff's done. So if you watch Citizen Kane, the makeups in that movie are as well executed as any makeups you'll see today. And they're so well uh, executed in realism that they don't look like makeup. And you see him as a young guy who's like uh, the young Charles Foster Kane, and you see him when he's like in his late 60s, and he's bald with a hairline, and he's got jowls and, and latex stipple around his eyes. It is incredible for the time, but also even now. When you watch the movie, you're never betrayed that it's makeup. And that's the thing. It's It always looks real. And what happened was, um, if you watch the movie, there's no makeup credit. Really? Weird. Because back in the there day, <laughs> back in the day in the studio system, only the head of the department got the credit. the credit. Okay. So Boo earns. So There's on most on most yeah. movies you see it'll say uh makeup by, you know, a 20th Century Fox movie, Doug makeup Moore. by Ben Nye. Yeah. So that doesn't mean Ben Nye did the makeup. He had people working underneath Four him. Four or five assistants. Exactly. And, yeah. They would do all the work and but because he was in That's charge. Not right. So <laughs> when Orson Welles found this out cuz he was new to Hollywood, he didn't know how it worked. He said, "Well, this guy he didn't do any of the makeup." <laughs> so yeah. I'm not giving him credit. He should get credit. And they said, well, he's not in the union yet, so he can't get credit. So Citizen Kane has no makeup uh, credit. So when the movie came out, President uh, Roosevelt at the time liked the movie, and he invited Orson Welles to come to the White House for lunch. Cool. And in the course of discussing the movie, Roosevelt says you know, the makeup in this movie was really good. Like you age and it's all done and the characters, everyone ages, it's expertly executed. And Orson Welles said, well, yeah, and this, this young guy, Maurice Siderman, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. (laughs) Yes. You know, he's, you know, he's not in the union. They won't give him his union card. But he created all that stuff. The president's even like, this guy's the shit and they still won't do it. So that, so apparently the next day, at the studio, a car drives up, a limousine with some uh, uh, um, federal official guy, <laughs> goes in the on. makeup department and gives him his union card. <laughs> what? So I guess Roosevelt <laughs> got on the phone, talked to the studio and said, this is ridiculous. This guy did all this stuff. He's a genius. Give him his union card. You're going to no tell kidding. the president no? And that's, that's what happened. <laughs> that's a fucking amazing wow. story. Yeah. So he got his union card. Get a reference from the president. Yeah. Way to go, Teddy. Way to go. <laughs> so Maurice Simon went on to do a whole bunch of stuff, and uh, wow. and he was one of Dick Smith's early influences, other okay. than Jack Pierce. It's you know, and I I love that about what you guys do is that you're all 
all, you're all learning off each other. Like it's not, it's not a competition. It seems in makeup. Because... Oh no, you have to stand on the shoulders of those before you because somebody's going to come up with something or make molds or whatever, and you're going to take that and run with build it, build on it. Yeah, right. Yeah. As opposed to like, well, no, you can't do what I've done. This is mine. This is priority for me. Well, no, how else are you going to, how else are you going to move an industry if you guys can't share a brain, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Last one. The one I want you to guess out on. Drop it in the sixth year. Planet of the Apes, <laughs> okay. 1968. What is it that you love about the ape? And I mean, we're going to be here for an hour, I think. No, no, no. <laughs> again, but again, it's like Citizen Kane. It was, it was, other than The Wizard of Oz, it was one of the first movies that, all of the all of the characters, main characters, except for Charlton Heston and and Nova, Linda Harrison, are in prosthetic makeup. So that was, you know, something that hadn't been done. <laughs> it's except almost for reversed, Wizard of Oz, right? Really. Like it, yeah, it's it's yeah, okay. Um, and there was a lot of research and development, um, figuring out what they're going to look like, and they did all kinds of tests and whatnot. Um, and basically, it came down to they created an assembly line approach. Where, uh, first of all, they had to train a whole bunch of people because in the 60s, there wasn't many people who did that kind of stuff. So um, so Ken Chase was one of them, and they just almost got people off the street. You're playing jazz, you're figuring yeah. out as you go. <laughs> train them. Ooh, want to be a monkey? <laughs> train them to be makeup artists and put them on and, and put these makeups on in a certain amount of time. And um and it just it that but the the most important thing that that movie did is that it it uh, one showed that you can create realistic characters with makeup that sell a movie, and two, most people who are my age, maybe a little maybe a little older than me, who late do 30s? what I do, what's that? <laughs> late thirties. Yeah, late. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Let me go put one of those wigs on, and then maybe. Um, <laughs> That's what inspired them to do this. You talk to anyone who's my age or older who do this kind of stuff, and they'll go Planet of the Apes. It does seem like a like it does seem like that is the movie, right? Yeah. Out of all and when, when out of out of most of them, that's it. Well, I think it does it does it have to do with the fact that it's not like okay, so we're taking people and turning into ghouls and zombies and stuff, but this is taking a human and turning it into a monkey. And doing it the best way possible to eliminate the human in that. Whereas before, you're like you're trying to take a human and put makeup on it to make them look dead or whatever. They're still a human, mm -hmm. but you're jumping the monkey, so and to speak. Now it's just Andy Circus. Yes, now, now Andy Circus is everybody's monkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But I mean, there is something to be said about motion capture and how you can move and stuff like well, I've that. I've seen the. I don't know if you've seen the video of him showing everyone how he walks like a monkey. It's just the two small crutches, and he arches his back. It's it's incredible to watch him actually do it. Is it for King Kong? Is that? Uh, no, or I think was it was for, for Planet. Oh, it was for Planet of the yeah. Apes. Um, when you say assembly line, would they like literally come in and be like, okay, one person would do this piece, and then they would move them down, no, another person... in assembly line in terms of how you put the makeup on. Yes, okay. So they got a vacuform face, again, something that had never been done before. They would vacuform the faces to sit all the appliances on. That was, that was one thing, so that was a game changer. The other thing was, this was the first time that they pre-painted prosthetics. Okay. These weren't masks, right? These were prosthetics that were glued on, so um, they pre-painted them with rubber cement paint to cut the makeup time down. That had never been done before. And then the assembly line approach was you would get this face with the upper portion and the lower uh, jaw, hair pieces, and uh, what's called a hackle, which is like a whole bunch of nails kind of 
in a way stuck through a thing that you uh, mix hair on because once you put the hair pieces down you had to lay hair over the edge and then you got three colors of makeup which were you had to put a certain color here a certain color here a certain color here so there was no deviation from that they showed they taught you the exact you put this on and it should take this much time you put this on it should take this much time then you blend the edges with this uh duo surgical adhesive eyelash adhesive then you put the makeup on then they're going to go get their wig on then you're going to put the hair pieces on and lay the hair around it and it should take you three and a half hours you should be done by the end of this song and you should yeah exactly <laughs> so you start here then you do this then you do this then you put this on this on this on in terms of the coloring after the wig, you're going to put this hair piece on, this hair piece on, this hair piece on. Then you're going to lay the hair around and curl it, and they're done. So there was no... Um, I do love the idea of monkeys just curling each other's hair. Yeah. <laughs> but there was no... Yeah, where's where's behind-the-scenes shot of that? <laughs> there was no you trying to be creative and doing something different. It was just you, do it this there way. There was a... This is the secret. This is This is the way we're doing all of them. This is the way we got to get them out on time. Okay. Don't deviate from it. That's really cool. And it I mean, broke. And, and to say that, you know, like when you when you take away from the creative ability and get to the assembly line factory process, somebody, you know, like I, I don't know how to use a better analogy, but like you've got a mom and pop restaurant. But when the mom and pop restaurant goes franchise, you lose some of the quality. So I imagine when it comes to movies, you cannot like you've got to keep both in. You've got to keep the quality in as much as the time to get it done. Exactly. It's, I, I still don't like you, you just look at it and you're blown away. I don't like the remakes at all. My stepdad and see, I'm, I have some old movies in me, Doug. I planet of the apes has been watched <laughs> in my house countless times. Yeah. I think it's one of Charlton Heston's best movies ever uh, next to Moses and the 10 commandments. What which, about the Omega man? Uh, <laughs> that was on TV this morning. One of my favorites. I love the Omega man. <laughs> yeah. What at four in the morning as you were going to bed? <laughs> no, no, it was on this morning. Oh, okay. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Um, but it just has, it has a sense of fantasy to it and a sense of realism at the same time. Like the story, that ending scene where they see the statue of Liberty and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And it is great to question what would happen if the monkeys colonized us instead of us colonizing them monkeys. Okay. First, uh, I just have to correct you on something. <laughs> seems like that's the day you, you might see a bit of it here. But I have more up there. So I'm a huge primate fan, and um, I'm a huge fan, and I have a great interest in our uh, primitive ancestors. Okay. So they are not monkeys. They are apes. Okay. Monkeys have tails. Apes don't. Apes don't. So there are, there are the great, you know. great apes, and then there are lesser apes, okay. and then there are Well, I know there's lesser apes. I know, so, I know a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you look at Jimmy? Uh, <laughs> More for reassurance just, just, than confirmation. Just telling, you, just telling you right now. Yeah. Because if you watch Escape from the Planet of the Apes, you're going to see Cornelius get really mad at a guy calling him a monkey. Ah, oh, that's right. That's right. They even include that in the bullshit Mark Wahlberg remake where he's like, you're all fucking monkeys. He's like, we are not monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you insult us like this? That's right. Um, we asked you this before and I, I kind of wanted to dig a little bit deeper into it. CGI and makeup and special effects. Um, there have been comments about how one is better than the other and one may replace the other. Do you see a lovely marriage going forward? Can you, can, can you see makeup ever being 
something that could be replaced because I've, I, I read some, I don't know, I'll read you the quotes I pulled on this, which well, I don't mind when they like there, I think there are places where they could use both. Like if it's cause in a lot of horror movies, they'll use practical effects and then just add CGI like blood or something. Just to make it more splat. Exactly. Yeah. And so, what so I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, I think that's okay. I don't ever want to see practical go away. I think makeup, it has to state and and in you know we've 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 got everything that's going to technology there's just you you can't you have to render it and it has to look the, everything it, it just it has to be done to the point where it looks imperfect and there should be a sense of imperfection i feel because that's realism right where it looks too good like when a record sounds too good you're like no i want to hear the raindrops <laughs> in the background as we're recording because that was a real moment versus eliminating it all. And uh, I read here, Tom Savini, SFX artist from Dawn of the Dead and Creepshow states, they still use the makeup guys to design the creatures, and that's what they work from. I don't think you'll ever see makeup artist guys hanging around corners with signs that say, we'll do effects (laughs) for food. You agree? Yeah, I agree. Uh, And (laughs) again, being a person who actually works in the business, um there's a couple of things to say to that one what i'm seeing is a lot of directors and especially younger ones wanting to use practical effects and just if they need digital help to accent it with digital um and the other thing too is you know when it comes down to it you know a director wants to direct a performance and what director is gonna you know be happy sitting there having next to no choice in something because it's done digitally, right? Yeah. Now, that being said, you know, Planet of the Apes was done very, very well. But I still think you could do it practically and augment it digitally, to me. I I, I, I think we because, all agree on because that. Because the thing, what you were saying about, you know, they can render it exactly and stuff, you still need to feel like you can touch right. it. And... And that's exactly it's still it. not quite there yet. No. And and they've also, you know, I've seen them do uh, digital aging makeup and stuff. One, it's super expensive, like incredibly expensive. So most movies wouldn't be able to use that technology. Um, but for instance, they digitally aged Captain Marvel, right? Captain America. Captain America, yeah, I Captain mean, America, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So they use some prosthetics and then digitally and to me i look at it and i just why just why didn't they just do the whole thing as a makeup they could have done the whole thing as a makeup and then if they wanted to go in and augment something after after why not and that i guess that's what i'm i'm asking is that should it oh it should i think it should always be and i'm sure we all agree it should start from the touch the feel make it spec it build it from scratch yeah try your best efforts if you need the assistance but replace like i the record store is gone. The bookstore is gone. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's all because of things that have to do with technology. And the yeah. one thing that makes movie magic fun, I would imagine for you guys is to be able to play, to have the tangible, right? Totally. But to put yeah. everything on a computer screen, you're just a hacker no. figuring out a program <laughs> that's, to solve. I'm in. But that's why, so for instance, Benjamin Button, Rick Baker and Kazu built the different stages of heads for uh, Brad Pitt. And they—that's what they used As to like a... to create those stages when he's a little kid but looking old. Yeah, 
right? Reverse they, aging. They still created silicone with punched in hair and painted it with fake eyes to help them create the digital aspect of it. And we're even though for... in I don't know if you guys ever read Cinefix. We will now because we've been called out for not watching uh-huh. Citizen Kane. So anything you teach us today will be on the reading list. This I week. got kind. I got kind of upset. There was an article about you know they they did an article about uh, Benjamin Button and and the digital. Um, I guess he was the digital uh, uh, supervisor. Was talking about um, the makeup, not specifically that makeup, but just makeup as a whole. Saying, well, you know. You put so many makeup and it's, you know, you're just making Brad Pitt look older and it's just makeup, whatever. And <laughs> what do you mean? What the fuck the... do you mean? That's the whole point? <laughs> to, yeah. me, to me, well, I mean, in a way is right. Because when we do things like this, um, you're not just making Brad Pitt look older. You're making the character look older that Brad Pitt is performing. Okay. So it's kind of layered. So it's so it's a layered thing, right? And again, everyone has their inputs as to they wanted Brad Pitt to look very attractive. And I, I read somewhere I think that Brad Pitt wanted to look very weathered and they didn't want that. And it was a you know, it was a combination of Need hot things. old man. But but to say <laughs> Brad that Pitt's it's gonna be ugly one day. Let's just get to the fucking point. But to of say it. that it's just makeup Yeah is you know, I, like a very, I think that's an insult. It's a huge because insult. Because if you, you'll notice like the Penguin and Batman, it's a practical makeup. Looks and, great. Um, you see makeup being used all the time. It's, to me, it's not going to go away. Most, most uh, likely because doing digital stuff is incredibly expensive. Like is it, it the hours that go in? Is it is it just the hourly rate, or is it the software? No, like when you, whenever I hear this, I go, okay, what is so expensive? Well, it's about the, the it's the labor. Okay, so it is the it's, it's the, in the labor. labor. So right. if you have Jimmy in a movie and he's in four hundred shots and he's supposed to be seventy two years old, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Right. Okay, I get it. Whereas, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas if you put Jimmy in makeup and we add maybe two weeks to the schedule because you know, the makeup takes a while. That's probably infinitely cheaper and would look just as realistic using the technology that we have today. You're absolutely right. When you say it's about feeling like you can touch it, like I, 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 you're absolutely right about that. Like you can, it's close now, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah, exactly. Like to me, they're just super incredibly well done animation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And don't get yeah. me wrong, the apes and Planet of the Apes are incredible it looks great like it's, it's just, it looks it's amazing just not quite there but, but it doesn't look real but when i watch it there's still something between them and me that i can't do that yes yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. You'll and at some point pixels. at some point they're gonna get it yeah you know so to me the best way to use it is a combination of you know complementing each other yeah right. like if there's something that i'm doing on an aging makeup that they think they can enhance then by all means because it's not about me it's about the character in the show right so i don't have a problem with that um but i i just don't think makeup it seems to me makeup is more popular than ever i i think i think it's got a resurgence i mm-hmm. mean after having 
Jimmy in my life and <laughs> watching a lot of horror and sci-fi and, and stuff where makeup is required to create a sense of realism. I have more of effect for practical effects and makeup now than I did before. And that comes from like getting into it and researching it. So like, I mean, your average person who isn't us doing this podcast probably wouldn't do that, but that's the purpose is to highlight what you do and why it adds so much to a film instead of just going by the wayside and being like, well, I can be digital one day. Let's well, celebrate the yeah, perfect. And- a perfect example is the Wolfman with Benicio del Toro. And the final look is a makeup. But they use digital for the transformations. And, you know, a six-year-old kid would be able to tell because it just doesn't... Yeah, it you can feel just, it. it. It doesn't look real. It doesn't look organic. It doesn't... It looks... And to it me, takes it, you look, out of it, it right? looks bad. Yeah. Yeah. You do lose. But you contrast that with Rick Baker's transformation from an American werewolf in London, which is the, came out 39 years ago. Still just, the best. Just last week. It's way better than anything that's been done. <laughs> it just looks Digitally so good. or otherwise. Mm-hmm. It is. And the same with Rob Botin's The Thing. It, it still withstands the test of time and it <laughs> yeah. works. It works 100%. Just like. And the Exorcist, uh, Max von Sydow is Father Marin, and the guy is supposed to be in his early 70s, yeah. and Max von Sydow is 44. Incredible. There's no one watching that movie who ever suspected that that was I always thought he was that age. Yeah. I just assumed he and was an old And it still works to this day. They still, I think for Alien Covenant, they still used puppets for the face huggers. And they use them to crawl around. It looks incredible, Mike. You should watch a lot of the back area behind the scenes stuff. It looks I, really yeah. good. After well, having not bought a Blu-ray and God knows how long because I don't <laughs> or, even have a Blu-ray um, player anymore. Or what's that round uh, droid from the new Star Wars movie? BB-8. BB-8. So BB-8 is a functioning robot. Yeah, robot that's <laughs> on a green stick that's puppeteered, but it's there. It looks yeah, and it, good. And it's not a digital thing. You, it looks totally real. Yeah. And Bill Hader is the voice. Yeah, BB-8. Oh, really? Sort of, yeah. Didn't know that. Huh? Uh, Bill Hader and J.J. Abrams, good buddies. Two weeks before the movie came out, they still didn't have sound for BB-8, so he went in and they digitally remastered his voice, and he's the beep-boop-boop-boop-boop-beep. Cool. Well, more you know. Man, you are just a fucking plethora of knowledge. I, I thought we talked to you about the first time, but there's there's so much. I Yeah, I feel... I, I could I feel, go on for hours. I know you can, <laughs> and I feel good, and I feel a little bit spanked. I feel a lot more smarter. I, uh, a lot more smarter. Yeah, no, I think I'll watch. <laughs> I've always... I It's... I just... I am very attracted to the big shiny objects i think it's my add so tony stark is pulls my eye just because he's shiny and cool and funny and i like garbage and, <laughs> and he likes everything on shutter and tubi yeah um but i mean garbage is has a home too so but i i as as a as a person who runs a podcast i think the top 25 best movies ever made need a rewatch since i was a child to to see what you're talking about and just have a better respect for it for sure um I would love to switch this to the portion of the show that we came to your lovely studio for. Um, so when talking to Doug about this, uh, Jimmy being the, the horror buff that he is and our resident horror expert, Doug has so graciously uh, said that he will put a, a makeup on Jimmy before we leave. And then we're going to take some pictures of it and put it up on our Instagram for you guys to see when this episode comes out. So as you're listening to this, these images will be out and you can see the master at work, and uh, we can see what he's going to do to Jimmy's face. Maybe it's an improvement. Maybe it's when not. is this master showing up? <laughs> oh me! Yes. Oh. oh, sorry. Yeah. Bring oh. your wife in now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's. He can only improve my okay. face. Okay. <laughs> 
fine. <laughs> so that that is our episode for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Doug, you've been a pleasure as always. Thank you for having us out here. This was super solid of you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, I, for, thanks for driving out here we, in the rainstorm. Oh, God, that's nothing. <laughs> nothing will stop this podcast. It's all podcast. for the aesthetic. The only thing that will stop this podcast is Citizen Kane. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So if this is your first time listening to the show, follow us online at Real Debaters. That's R-E-E-L, Debaters. That's on Twitter and Instagram. The email address is therealdebaters at gmail.com. That is how you tell us what you think of the show. Give us ideas for the show. Even send us an email and we'll read it online and give us your take on this, that, or the other. Buy our merch, please. Buy our merch. <laughs> Threadless and designed by human. You can find the prop shops on the page. I know you'll find that kind of funny. That was what we named our, our t-shirt shop, the prop shop. Uh, our buy our skateboard decks. Buy our skateboard <laughs> decks, yes. As we said last week, the skateboard machine was left on, and we have way too many skateboard decks. All our 2019 skateboards got to go. Got to go today. Uh, the website is therealdebaters.podbean.com. I have been Michael Petro. This has been... Deck more. They'll do. <laughs> and over here we got Martin Navarro. And we're gone.